0: Welcome to Build. This is Maggie. Today, I brought our chief architect, Freedom Doomlau, on the show to talk about an engineering-specific thing that we do called the tracer bullet. It's one of the core principles we have as a product team at Drift, and it's the answer to the question of what does the engineering team actually do after story time if they're not just building something? What they're doing is a technical exploration that helps us de-risk what we're doing, understand the scope, and most importantly, learn. Hope you enjoy it. freedom. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. It's great to be on the show. I'm a big fan.
0: (laughs) Thank you. So we're talking about tracer bullets today. And just so everyone who's listening knows, the tracer bullet is a thing that we do, which we're going to get into, that happens after we've written a one pager, we've done a story time, and now we're in this organized phase where we're answering open questions. And I think a lot of times teams think about this as sort of the PM and the product designer who are working on user research and wireframes and everything, but then there's this question of, like, what does the engineering team do?
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, so for those who aren't familiar, Drift has this really great process that we call the J-O-B process. Is the way that we design, build, and ship products. And it's pretty clear for a lot of roles what folks need to be doing in that process in order to get software shipped. And one of the questions that is often asked by engineers, especially folks who are new to Drift, is what is the engineer's role in this process? And how does the engineer participate in discovering the right path forward and uncovering what the value is going to be in the product that we're trying to create?
0: And part of that is the Tracer Bullet?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So the Tracer Bullet is really where it all begins. As soon as story time is over, we're left with a long list of open questions. And some of those are engineering questions. Some of those are business questions. And a Tracer Bullet is a tool that we can use to get answers to those questions. And we can do it quickly and without a lot of investment so that we can learn and make some decisions right away.
0: Right. So engineering team here after the story time, doesn't just immediately go back to their desks and keep coding something else. Instead, they're actually actively part of our discovery
1: process. That's exactly right. I mean, they're part of the story time yeah. process, yeah. right? They're sitting a in the a room. questions. question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're part of the team that's developing the open questions to start off with. So they've uncovered a lot of things that they need to know in order to be able to complete the, the job to be done. And so... When they go back to their desks, you can't really just – I mean I guess you could, right? You could just go back to your desk, sit down and start writing code and hopefully come up with a solution that looks like what you want. But you could do that forever, right? Mm -hmm. Like where does that end and how big does it get and what should the scope of that be? So Tracer Bullet is really a process that allows us to create something that's really, really small in scope. But still has value and still helps us to answer a lot of those important open questions, both for the engineering team, so feasibility questions like, can we even make something like this? But also for the business, like a tracer bullet is often used to help us understand, like, would a customer use this at all? Or would somebody be interested in something like this? And so with a small amount of investment and a little bit of experimentation, we're able to learn quite a bit in a short amount of time.
0: What is it? Exactly.
1: Yeah, so so tracer bullet, we, we have two parts of the definition. First is what it is, and then second is what it must have. So what it is, a tracer bullet as we define it, it is end-to-end which means that whatever you're trying to do, it works from end to end. It's in production. We put it in our production environment, so it's running right next to code. And right now, if you're a Drift customer, there are tracer bullets that are running in the same environment as the rest of our code. So that code has to be good and safe. It needs to be discardable. We need to be able to make sure that we're not attached to this code because we're really trying to learn from this. And we don't want to hinder ourselves by writing something that's necessarily going to last if we're just trying to learn. Lastly. It needs to be very tightly scoped. So we say Tracer Bullet should be within a one-week timeline. More specifically, we say zero to five days is the timeline for that, and those are business days. Those are the things that a Tracer Bullet is. The things that a Tracer Bullet must have in order to get started, it needs to have a mission defined. And so the mission is really one or two sentences that describe what you're going to see at the end when the Tracer Bullet's done. And this is how we know when we're done okay. with our Tracer Bullet. And the scope is the second thing that it must have. So scope is really where we get to say what we're not going to do. So oftentimes a Tracer Bullet, for doing some technical feasibility, we're going to choose not to include, say, a user interface right. or a database. We'll just use some, like, data off disk or something like that. We specifically call it what we're not going to do in the scope. And then the deadline, that's critical because that helps us to keep the Thing time bound so that we know when we can expect to be learning from it, and, and we don't want that to be more than, like I said, five days. So every tracer bullet is the first thing and has those second things, and right. that's that's essentially all there is to it.
0: Right, because you don't want to have the tracer bullet go from, oh, I'm just going to explore whether this thing is possible, and all of a sudden that exploration becomes the V1, and then it becomes it's in production, and then it all of a sudden you're building on it, and then it becomes a foundation for your product, and you kind of end up in this weird place where. You don't have any sense of how far it should go.
1: That's right, exactly. Or or one discovery leads to the next, right? So mm-hmm. especially in the realm of discovery when it comes to tech and product and design, each discovery gives you that little spark of inspiration and engineers were no different, right? So we get inspired and we're like, Oh, well, what about this next thing? And what right. about this next thing? And before you know it, you've spent two weeks or a month just discovering things and cool, you've learned some stuff that's important, but have you answered your open questions? Have you gotten your team to a place where you're ready to start work and to actually build the thing. By defining the mission, the scope, and the deadline, you're able to know like, oh, I'm actually done with this tracer bullet. It's okay, you'll still have an opportunity to go explore more later, like we're not pulling the rug out from under you. But you can check off the box and say, this one is done, and we've answered these open questions. So that's the other thing we do at the end of the tracer bullet, go back and say, which open questions did we answer here, Uh, right? And that Mm -hmm. may give us enough to be able to move into the next phase of our process and start building software.
0: Right. And I think the other thing that I've seen in practice be really of these sort of what is a tracer bullet requirements that's really powerful is the in-production yeah. thing that you said. Because I've definitely I've seen so many times where someone says, Oh yeah, yeah, I did it. And you look in their computer and it's like localhost, blah, blah, right. blah. And then they actually haven't tied it together end to end. It's not really in production and you really haven't actually de-risked the thing that you're working on.
1: That's exactly right. Well, and and any engineer can tell you the horror stories that they've had about something that works great on their machine. Mm-hmm. But then you put it into production or you put it on a server <laughs> somewhere and suddenly it doesn't work so well or Every at all. PM
0: has the same story
1: about how <laughs> the engineer they're working with said,
0: Oh well it works on my local yeah. So, yeah. Perfect.
1: Great. We'll just get the customers to come in <laughs> yeah. and they can use it here on your laptop. That's Perfect. fine. Yeah. So, in production is super important to us. And the way we define in production is also pretty clear because we go one step further, right? So, mm-hmm. part of it is it needs to be actually in the production environment. So, it's running in production. But the other part of it that we throw into the definition there is that it must be accessible by somebody who isn't on your team.
0: Oh, I didn't know
1: that. Yeah, that's important to us because putting it in production and hiding it from the (laughs) world is not a hard trick for an engineer to pull off. And so we want to make sure that somebody who isn't on your team is going to be able to access that. Oftentimes at Drift, that's going to be me. It's going to be Elias or product manager. Um, But it it is also not uncommon for that to be one of our customers who has access to that tracer bullet. Right, that makes sense.
0: So we were talking a little bit before about the role that Tracer Bullets play on the engineering team and how people are using them. Tell me a little bit about how our engineering team has been learning about Tracer Bullets and taking on this new step in the process, because it's something that we we have been talking about at Drift for a long time. It's been one of our concepts, but you've recently kind of formalized it and we're sort of making it more systematic here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so tracer bullets have been a foundational part of Drift's engineering culture, going back to the founding days for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's something that the engineers who've been here the longest are incredibly familiar with, and they've talked about it. But as many of you know, Drift has grown quite a lot. And uh, our engineering team has gotten a lot bigger. And as the team has grown, the idea of tracer bullets has sort of transformed a little bit. Some people were definitely doing them exactly the way they should. You know, I had a conversation with a team who was like, oh, we're doing a tracer bullet this quarter on this thing. (laughs) And it'll be done by the end of the quarter. And I was like, that is (laughs) definitely... Great, but not a Tracer Bullet at all. The discipline of Tracer Bullet is really about scoping things down, like breaking it up into something really, really small, still valuable that we can learn from. And so after I heard that and realized that the definition wasn't clear across the board, I just started talking to people. So I talked to people who were newer at Drift, people who've been at Drift for a long time, to our CTO, Elias, to get like the feedback on what does a Tracer Bullet at Drift mean? And after hearing all of the different points of view on it, I realized we need to get back into the business of communicating and training and teaching what Tracer Bullets are. We sat down. We actually built this out as a slide deck that we could use to train, and we're doing some trainings here where we talk about exactly what the components of a tracer bullet are. We talk about why it's important to do these the way that we do them, and we facilitate and support these teams in actually delivering tracer bullets and doing as many of them as they possibly can.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting just not only the concept of tracer bullet, but as an engineering team and a team scales, how something that is so such a known process can kind of Take a, on a life of its own and all of a sudden you realize, oh, wait, we need to kind of rethink how we're training because that concept has changed.
1: Yeah. And I think honestly what was missing was having it written down yeah. more than anything else. Everyone was communicating the concept verbally. And that just allows for that game of telephone, right, yeah. where it changes a little bit as each person and each person takes the liberties and maybe they add in what they what their mm-hmm. feelings are about it as they go. <laughs> we kind of get far away from the process. The other thing I was seeing is that there were some teams that knew that Tracer Bullets existed, but they weren't sure when they should do them. Mm-hmm. So they would get through that story time process and then they would just not really be sure what they should do next. Yep. So some teams would sit and wait for design to come back with some screens and say like, hey, mm-hmm. go make this or or some teams. teams. Teams would just start coding literally just, well, I don't know what to do, but what I can do is code. And they would just start writing code. And inevitably they would write code into Oblivion if somebody didn't stop and Mm -hmm. say like, hey, what are we trying to actually achieve? And and let's like narrow that down and create some scope.
0: I've definitely been on one of the coding to Oblivion teams. Um, So I've been there. Kind of on that track, how... For the engineers who are training who are new to Tracer Bullets and kind of looking back at the other teams that you've been a part of outside of Drift, how is this sort of fundamentally different than how you've seen other teams work?
1: Yeah, I've been writing code and, and shipping software for longer than I'd like to admit, I guess. <laughs> I would say it's radically different. Like, it is it is a very, very different approach to building software. A lot of places that are building software that is scalable and, and is designed to be scalable, they spend a lot of time up front talking about and designing and thinking about what it is that they're going to get done and trying to plan for the perfect thing. And a little bit of upfront planning is fine. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. But why spend a week on the whiteboard when you could probably answer all of those questions with a day or two on the Mm -hmm. keyboard? And that's what a tracer bullet helps us to skip past. There's methodologies, the Agile methodologies. Scrum, of course, is the one that uh, most folks are participating in these days. And that process oftentimes is like a guaranteed two-week process, right? Like they've just decided this, we do two-week sprints. Mm -hmm. And in two weeks, we'll know the answer to a bunch of questions. But first, we're going to plan it all out and write out all the the stories. That process can be a little bit heavyweight, even though it's smaller than the old waterfall process. It's still heavyweight. There's nothing built in uh, that guarantees us a learning at the end, that guarantees us answers to our open questions at the end. So this process is something that's very liberating as an engineer. right? You you don't have to be beholden to some architectural review board to design your solution up front. You don't have to wait for this uh, scrum process that's going to require certain dependencies to be met before you get a chance to work on the interesting part for you. What you get is you get to sample the correct open questions that your team needs answers from the story time, and you get to define what you're going to do to answer them, and that takes, I don't know, five, ten minutes or whatever, and maybe even a rough sketch or something on the whiteboard, take a picture of that, boom, that's good enough, and then you just go do it. Yeah, And then, you know, if, as long as you're sticking to your time box, at the end of that, you've got answers, and you've got great answers about what is it really going to take mm-hmm. to deliver on this thing? What are the risks that we're going to see as we try to build this thing out? are customers interested in this at all? Like, that's a great question to get an answer to as soon as possible. Yeah, And so being able to get that in a couple of days as opposed to a couple of weeks is really one of the reasons I think why Drift is able to grow and accelerate and continuously deliver great product all the time. It's very different. And I don't think it's possible, honestly, to convey how different mm-hmm. it is without actually doing it yourself. Yeah. But yeah.
0: yeah, and I think it definitely makes for teams that are more engaged and a team, when a team is sort of all collectively working together, so PM's out talking to customers, the designer is with the PM, looking, doing customer research, talking to customers, doing prototypes, and the engineering team is are working on a tracer bullet, then everyone is involved in the solving of the problem. The shared accountability is so much higher, and the engineering team is so much more engaged in the thing that you're building, and they're so much more knowledgeable about it, that I think almost no matter what, the product that you end up shipping is better quality.
1: Absolutely, yeah, because from an engineering standpoint, trying to do something with the tight constraints that a traceable puts around trying to do that thing, you end up really learning things like what's actually needed for this, right? right? So a great story that I can't tell the, the full details on the product it was. <laughs> yeah. But we had a team that was planning to to integrate with another team. And the first thing they thought was, we need a whole bunch of APIs to add this capability and add this functionality Mm -hmm. before we can do that. But in the reality, the data that they wanted those APIs for was already available via another API. Maybe not the most ideal format for an API, but it was there. So the team was able to do a Tracer Bullet and just use that one available API. And in so doing, realized that they didn't need that full suite of additional APIs to actually build and ship. When the time came to move on to the next phase and to start really building the thing, they were like, oh, that plan that we had to build all those APIs Mm -hmm. would have been a huge waste of time because all we really needed was this one thing. Right. And being able to learn that means obviously less code in this case. Yeah. But also understanding those risks way better ahead of time. So the code can be of better quality and the bugs can be fewer.
0: Right. I know we also have tenants for our tracer bullets. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about why, how tenants are valuable. This is something we actually use kind of across the board at Drift, but I'm curious specifically for tracer bullets what their role is.
1: Yeah, so tenets, everywhere I use them, I like to use them as sort of the decision-making framework, Right. right? So when you've got a question you're trying to answer, I think look to your tenets first, and that'll help you oftentimes just find the answer. So for those who don't know what they are, for our Tracer Bullets, our tenets currently are, we value working code over perfect designs. Showing our work often is better than waiting for the right moment. We seek feedback often from colleagues and customers. And what we can prove is more useful than what we think we know. And these tenets are all essential to making sure that the tracer bullets that we're building are focused on delivering actual answers that we can trust. Mm -hmm. And they give us some guidelines on what we should do. So recently I had a team that is currently working on a new Kubernetes capability Mm -hmm. for Drift. And they came and asked, they said, hey, when do you think we should start showing some of these, like, tracer bullets we've been doing to the rest of the team and getting other team members on board? I just said, well, let's look at the tenants, right? Like, what do, what do the tenants tell us? And one of those tenants is showing our work often is better than waiting for the right moment. So right. what are they waiting for? And I, I, I asked mm-hmm. them, I said, what are you waiting for? And the answer was pretty clear. So they're sharing that now and yeah. also onboarding some customers to that new tech right now.
0: Yeah, I also saw – I've been creeping around in our Slack and I saw you created a Tracer Bullets channel.
1: Yeah. And
0: we have a channel, I think maybe I've talked about this on the podcast before, called Shipyard where every engineer when they finally ship something to production for all of our customers to use, they do an announcement, they tell the why and all that kind of stuff. But now we have a little sort of shipyard for Tracer Bullets, which I think is really cool.
1: Yeah, that's a, I think that channel is fantastic because it allows us to do a couple of things. So, one of those tenants again is we seek feedback from our colleagues and customers. Well, we're not the kind of company where we want to just host a meeting every time we want to get feedback yeah. right like we yeah. don't we don't have time for that but What we can do is share our work publicly with everyone who we work with, especially other people who are interested in creating their own Tracer Bullets. And that's why this channel exists. It allows us to share our work publicly and say, like, hey, this is the Tracer Bullet I'm about to work on. And there's a ton of advantages that come from that. Number one is, what if I was about to try something out? It looks like somebody else is trying it out. Cool. I can follow along with their progress. Mm -hmm. Or maybe what they're doing might have some impact on a service that I own. Well, now I can see it and I can understand right. that it's happening. And then lastly, it helps to like communicate this Tracer Bullet is done, and there are some learnings that we've achieved, and you can go learn from them too. Mm-hmm. It also allows us to celebrate because at Drift, uh, when people ship things, we like to yeah. celebrate. <laughs> yeah. So it gives us an opportunity to celebrate as well. Uh, even those small Tracer Bullet ships, the value that we get from a small amount of work is tremendous. And so this is one place where we get to do that and, and uh, celebrate and see and learn
0: so i saw the channel and i was talking about the tracer bullet process with another product lead at drift and we were actually thinking about how we should do you have office hours too and we were thinking how we should do office hours for some of the the steps in the process that are more product management focused just thinking yeah. about the same way that you're thinking about how do we take this tracer bullet model and train the team on it we were thinking okay maybe we have opportunities to do that for the other steps in our process as our team gets bigger too because we're seeing it's funny we're seeing exactly the same stuff where what's a story time has sort of morphed a little bit for some people and not for other people and so there is definitely we can see as we've transitioned to a sku based model like the different SKUs have a slightly different flavor and now we're saying oh we need to think about how we train to kind of bring everyone back on the same page.
1: And I think that's a fantastic, fantastic foresight, right? Because yeah. you're, you're starting to see the drift in at Drift. Yeah. Oh, boy.
0: <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> Podcast canceled. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, but, you know, it, it happens and it's one of those things. So as, as like one of the questions that I get oftentimes when I'm interviewing candidates to work here is as you grow, like how mm-hmm. do you maintain like Drift as it is, like as this incredible culture and how do you keep it yeah. working as you grow? And part of it is we write things down and we communicate. Very, very frequently, and we always show our work. So that transparency helps to make sure yeah. that things kind of stay. So as you're seeing that, I think what you're seeing is like, oh, well, if we did this, if we wrote things down, and then we hosted mm-hmm. this sort of office hours thing to allow right. people to nominate themselves to come in and learn, that's going to be, I think, fantastic. And we're seeing yeah. some some of that payoff already as well.
0: Yeah, and it's not even just the writing down. We have a lot of this written down, but it's I think what it was missing were the examples. Yeah. and I think what I what I saw. From the tracer bullet process was the collection of different tracer bullets and the lessons that the team was learning from them as a way to kind of uncover examples of how to do tracer bullets. In the same way where we have like, this is what a story time is. This is what a one pager is, but we don't necessarily have, here are all the ways that you can go wrong. Here are all the ways that it can go right. Like this is what we've learned in the past. So just a way to bring all that knowledge up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be, it, it's going to be like developing a muscle, right? Like, yeah. so you have those experiences where people start coming back into the fold and, mm-hmm. and we start to operate in a similar way, but it is a, a muscle that we have to keep on working on. We have to, we have to do this, provide feedback and do it again. And it'll be several iterations until we feel like we're doing it really, really well, but developing the habit of doing it regularly, even doing it badly frequently (laughs) is better than not doing it at all. And we're already sort of ahead of that curve with Tracer Bullets. We're ahead of the doing it badly part. We're Mm -hmm. doing it well. And now we're trying to hone in on perfecting it. I got to say for anybody else who's out there who's trying to implement something like this at your own company, the two places where I think you're probably likely to find that you'll need to spend more time is number one on that scope question. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our early Tracer Bullet docs that we saw in here, they would have the mission defined and then the scope would be a slightly reworded version of the mission. Right.
0: It's like the whole project is yeah. Traceable. Yeah. like
1: That's not really the point of this. And and the point of scope is for the traceable process, at least, is to say, we are specifically calling out that we have thought about and chosen not to do these things. right? And that way, you have given yourself the latitude to choose not to do the thing. So say, if somebody asks you at the end of your TracerBullet, oh, where's the UI? You can say, like, we scoped it out early on that we weren't going to do that. So there's no question about why that's not there. The other thing is that I've heard from some engineers some questions about like, well, it feels like there's some extra steps in here. Like, is this worth the extra steps? Mm-hmm. And what they mean is the extra steps is they just want to sit down and start writing code. They don't really want to have to define what it is beforehand. And what I have said to them is like, look, like it's literally five minutes to maybe 30 minutes to define your mission scope and deadline before mm-hmm. you get started on working. And if you can't define your mission and write down what it is you plan to do before you start, how are you going to know when you're done, right? You're just going to keep going forever without knowing when to stop. Or you might not go far enough because you haven't achieved a mission if you haven't set one down. So that's the kind of thing that we're asking for teams to do, and it really isn't much. And for teams that are participating, they're already seeing, like, This rapid iterative capability that they get from doing tracer bullets, so we're seeing that pay off pretty much instantly as soon as we rolled this out.
0: One other sort of, I think probably my last question on this would be, I don't know how many years ago, but there was definitely this feeling in the in the sort of product development space about how code is really expensive, and you don't want to code, you want to prototype and user research, and you don't want to waste any of the precious coding time on this discovery work. So, how do you think about that concept in regards to tracer bullets?
1: Yeah, I, I would say code's not expensive. Engineers are expensive. Mm-hmm. And in my career, I've deleted more code probably than I've written, to be perfectly honest. The reality is, is the advantage we have as a software company that produces software as our business is that code is actually really cheap. Mm-hmm. We can write it, delete it and rewrite it. And the costs are minimal. It's not like we're building a physical object, right, that we have to somehow melt down and, and reforge into some new object. Right. It's actually very cheap, as long as you choose to do it in a way that is very cheap. If you're choosing to, to bite off big, huge pieces of work at a time, that's when it gets really expensive, right? Because then your investment gets to be something that's hard to recoup. If you said, Freedom, I need a website that I can fill out a form, collect some data, uh, and I need it by tomorrow, I'm going to produce something, and you're going to have it, and it's going to work. It's not going to be great, right. but it will work, and it will do the job. Mm-hmm. But if you give me no deadline and you just say I need that <laughs> exact same thing, oh, I'm going to make something amazing, yeah. and I'm going to be able to brag to every other engineer on <laughs> the floor about it. But you're not going to have it for three months, and that's expensive.
0: But also the idea that you don't want to have the engineers' time spent on this part of the problem I think is also part of it. That there was this idea that the engineers should only be just doing delivery and they shouldn't be spending their time on discovery and you have to have dual track and you can't all be working together because it's not efficient. And I think what's really interesting to me is seeing tracer bullets and how much they accelerate our product development process overall.
1: Absolutely, yeah. One great thing about Drift that I love is that everyone at our company is customer-focused, mm-hmm. right? So engineers at Drift often interface with customers. They're not hidden behind some curtain somewhere <laughs> where they're just, like, fed, like, here's a here's an important task, I'll get this done. Yeah. Like, they're a part of it, and they get to participate in that iterative nature and, and participate in seeing customers getting value and delight out of the work that they produce. That, I think, has sort of fed the engineering culture at Drift and helped it to become the kind of place where we don't feel... Like our investments in software are things that we can never go back and touch again. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we, we don't want to write the same thing 100 times if we don't have to. Right. But that that certainly has helped us to go a lot faster for sure. And I think the other thing, something that's a common misconception, I think, that especially engineers who are earlier in their careers, they believe that the only way they can add value is through code. And that's just not the case at all. Engineers happen to be people who are very close to the problem oftentimes. And there's other value that you can provide as an engineer besides code. And I think learning that earlier in your career is going to help to accelerate your career a lot faster.
0: Yep, Awesome. So my actual last question is, what books are you reading that you would recommend?
1: Oh, Wow. So books I would recommend, if we're going to talk about this particular topic. I I mean, I'd love it if it
0: was topical, but I'll take anything. I'm building my 2020 reading list.
1: Got it. First, I'm going to call out The the Pragmatic Programmer. That is the first book I remember reading uh, about the concept of tracer bullets at all. The book is definitely, I would say, one of the must-reads for software engineers. Okay. But it also kind of shows its age. So Mm -hmm. it was written at a time where we used words like guru Mm -hmm. to describe software engineers who were excellent at their job. Right. Uh, so as long as you can stomach the word guru more than a handful of times, <laughs> I'd say that's a great book to read That's that covers some of the concepts of Tracer Bullet pretty well. I think we've evolved that concept here at Drift, and, mm-hmm. and we've nailed it down quite a bit more, but it's definitely in there. As far as books I'm reading right now, I'm currently reading uh, Infinite Powers, and I do not remember the author's name, but it is a book about how calculus has shaped the world. Oh, cool. And it's a great book for people who aren't necessarily in love with the idea of learning Learning calculus and don't want to learn calculus. What if we
0: have forgotten it?
1: Or yeah, or have forgotten (laughs) it. So it it sort of like brings you into the world of calculus in a way where it's not asking you to actually perform any calculus, (laughs) but help you to understand how calculus is a part of your life and a part of your world.
0: Okay, awesome. Those are good two new ones that I have not heard before. Awesome. I usually get creativity ink.
1: That is a book that I have on my shelf. That me too. <laughs> I still
0: haven't
1: <laughs> read it. <laughs> have not read it, but yeah, somebody told me I should.
0: Awesome. Well, Freedom, thank you so much for coming on the show and teaching us about tracer bullets.
1: Thanks a lot, Maggie. It was great.